The world's most advanced color correction tool for Mac just got more powerful. DaVinci Resolve from Blackmagic Design. With XML import, export, multi-layered timelines, curve grading, noise reduction, stabilization, 3D alignment, OpenCL, and more. DaVinci Resolve is available from $995. Current users can download the updates for free. And try DaVinci Resolve Lite, a reduced featured version that's still packed with power. Visit www.blackmagicdesign.com. What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room, the official podcast of AOTG.com. This week we have something special for you. We have Dan Liebenthal. So if you remember last week we talked with Josh of Retooled. And we're doing those tools that you might not have seen at NAB. And Dan had a booth at the Super Meet, but didn't have a booth on the floor at NAB. So we did an interview with him. And you might know Dan from his work on Iron Man 1 and 2, Cowboys and Aliens, and of course one of my favorite films, Elf. He also did an iPad application called TouchEdit. And if you haven't heard of TouchEdit, you gotta go to toucheditapp.com and check it out. What he's done is he's built an application for the iPad, it's not a tool that replaces the NLE, but is actually a tool that will become integrated into the editing room. And you'll hear how Dan talks about how he utilizes this on set, not as a tool to replace his NLE, but actually as one that integrates into his editing room and improves his workflow. So he can cut on set and then be back in the editing room continuing the edit. So before I get into the interview, I wanted to welcome our latest advertisers to AOTG and to our podcast, and that's Motion Elements. So if you are looking for stock footage or anything, uh, you got to check out Motion Elements. They aren't going to start till June, but I thought I'd, I'd welcome them with a, a little introduction here. Their website is motionelements.com. Now, let's talk to Dan about his new tool, Touch Edit. First, can you tell me what, what made you decide to get into the mobile app business, and in particular, the editing application? I got in because I saw a need, and also part of my purpose is kind of to advance the way we do things, our, our form, and, uh, and also I really have a personal need to get back time using uh, mobile technology. So that was a really big part of it. And then there was one other thing to it, which was that the iPad, because of its tactile nature, made me sort of re-engage with uh, you know, what I used to have when I would handle film. You know, I knew there was something there, and then it all kind of came together in one major light bulb moment of this is what uh, needs to be done. And I had even I had asked Abbott if they were going to do anything because I'm on an advisory uh, board with them, and they they weren't really particularly thinking in terms that this could be something in the professional world that, that one would do. You know, as naive as I was, I decided to go do it myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> You wouldn't have done it if you'd known how hard the coding was. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I, it's tantamount to making a movie, really. Yeah. It's, it is a lot more goes into it than one really knows from the outside. Now, you, you said that Avid uh, wasn't interested. Was this after, because they had released their Avid Touch or whatever they'd called it, and then they sold it. So was this before or after? Yeah, it's interesting because what was funny is... Uh, as the story goes, we're in these meetings where, you know, we're the ACE members who advise Avid on what we think, you know, directions they need to move. And I had just gotten my iPad 1 a month after they came out because it was the day that they 
ship them with the telephone stuff in them. And I literally was had it in my hands and I'm playing with it and I went to one of our, it's either two or three times a year meetings with Avid and I'm playing with it and I, and I asked him, There's, you know, have you guys seen this? There's really something to this whole thing. And they weren't interested and then, so a year later I, I get my grand idea. It took about a year to culminate. It was right before Christmas about two and a half years ago. Then I, I go and I start uh, looking and how to get this done. So I, I go down the path of you know, designing it and getting software engineers. And I go to a meeting and, and uh, yeah, Avid's, you know, and I, I had gone to several meetings and I always told them, if you're going to talk about anything on an iPad, you should tell me I'll excuse myself because of the non-disclosure stuff. They said, they came out and they said, hey, yeah, we're going to show our iPad app. And my heart just went up into my, you know, because I'd already been working on this for months. And then they showed it and it was, you know, what became out of studio, but what they had done is port down their consumer product from their desktop world. Mm -hmm. And they never had really any intention of tying it into the pro world, which is to say a big goal of TouchEdit is to be able to work with, you know, the pro systems, the, the Avids and, and the whatnots. Um, we're really close to achieving that. In fact, right before I talked to you, they were showing me our new AAF, which is, which is the format Avid. Yeah, yeah, translates to. So anyway, I nearly had a heart attack, but then I saw what they were doing, which was a, you know, a nice little app that was, I think, one step up from iMovie, but quite different from what I tried to do. And they knew what I was doing. It was very open. I was open with them. In fact, after they showed me theirs, I showed them mine. <laughs> uh, the early, you know, the designs, basically. We had had the designs done. And then uh, Gary, who was the CEO at the time, looked up at me and said, uh, are you trying to do a pro app? <laughs> and I go, yeah. So I'm a bit of a prophet on the fact that I believe that we're moving towards mobile technology to, to kind of free us from the, the uh, fixed editing room. That's part of my big um, concept here. You were saying that you're always looking to the future, looking to this mobile and how it can help speed things up for you in the editing room. So one of my questions would be, is how has this gone about speeding things up for you? You know, here's what we face nowadays and things are you're changing so quick. So let's start with that they switched to shooting everything on digital cameras. And once they did that, they, they lost the constraint of having camera rolls. And it's also much, much cheaper. So what's the consequence of that is way more footage is coming in. It seems like somewhere between, uh, you know, maybe around up to twice as much footage on your average, you know, shoot is coming in. So, you know, an editor's time is, well, you have to look at all this stuff. You have to make your decisions based on everything. You can't you know, just discard, uh, but the day isn't getting longer. So what that means is that, you know, that's just one factor. There's other factors for me personally. I work on, you know, very big tentpole movies like Iron Man 1 and 2 and Cowboys and Aliens. And I was finding, for instance, on Cowboys and Aliens, I was finding a large part of my day during the shoot was wasted traveling to go see dailies. I'd be in a van for an hour. You know, they'd bring me to the set and I'd be waiting. I could wait for an hour or more for them to break for lunch to come watch 20 minutes of dailies with me. And then I went back to the editing room and I still had to get my day's work done. Yeah. So it's very important on a, on a big movie uh, because they're asking, can we strike the sets? Can we do, 
You know, they, they, want from, they want to know if we've got it. That's what they really want to know from me. That's a big part of why I'm cutting while they're shooting. If I say we don't have it, it's a big thing too. It's, it's like, you know, shoot days are very expensive. So I'm having to answer this and I'm having to, you know, I, I, I would say my glib responses will like, uh, well, I don't have my Ouija board. I can't tell you if we have it. I have to cut it first. In thinking about this, well, I, you know, there are places I could bring a laptop editor and that would, you know, and I, and I do. Uh, I've cut many a scene on an airplane, right? But it's still not as mobile as one would think. I probably couldn't have cut sitting in a van on a laptop. Certainly if I'm sitting in the uh, projection trailer, it's not a very comfortable, it's just chairs. Where does the laptop go? Well, I'll tell you, on an iPad, it's, it's an amazing thing. And it's one of the remarkable moments, uh, you know, of them, I'm, I keep hearing back from my early users here. At first, it's a fun novelty to them, and then they realize they're getting work done in, in places that they couldn't do it before. One guy showed himself working at the gym, another guy at you know tennis office and stuff. And I like to joke about staying in bed or you know editing in the hot tub or whatever. The point is, is that this is a kind of a freeing thing, and it can actually increase collaboration because. You know, I can I can be in the set to answer if they need me, or I can, or we can, uh, you know, have sessions wherever we want. How does this app set itself apart from the other ones out there? Because you'd mentioned that there was the uh, iMovie, the Avid, and I think there's a Vimeo one. So what is well, it that sets? Well, here here it is, and, and that, look, uh, I'm I'm not out to say anything bad about them because they're servicing their market. Uh, Gary, interestingly enough, from, from Avid, their old CEO, told me that 80% of the people who use iMovie are, are doing slideshows with it. So the first thing I had to prove when I made TouchEdit is that you could make a frame-accurate editing system on an iPad because there was no evidence that frame-accurate means that when I choose a very specific frame, um, that's, the, that's the frame that gets edited, not a range of frames around it. So you will find you choose a frame if you were in, in one of those other programs and you drop it down. If you're really looking, it's not really the frame. Well, that's not going to cut it for an, a real editor. The second part of this is what, why we're a pro editing system is we carry metadata. And you know, metadata is a fancy word for things like time code. And what you know, all of that allows you to do is to be able to send out lists and collaborate with other editing systems and other, you know, uh, audio stations or whatever. So it, it, it's a whole different beast when you're talking about accuracy and sending out lists and, and the kind of, uh, you know, the stability of what, you know, a pro app would be. So, and then we have, you know, of course, so many features and so many bells and whistles that are in the pro thing. I'm not trying to say we've put an Avid in an iPad because that isn't even the point. The, the point is to have this thing that you can, you know, cut with anywhere that's, that has a subset of really what you use for, you know, I, 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 the, the subset that's there is, is specifically for scene work, actually. It's really, it represents about 85% of the, the tools that I use the most in the Avid. So you can see that it's, it's quite a bit different than, than iMovie or, or Studio because those are also single monitor solutions 
whereby you drop blocks of, you, you sort of drop a block that's, that's your clip in and then you kind of maybe trim it after. That's kind of not the way editors think, though. I think most editors, you know, are looking for mat, you know, the points where they want to make edits, and then they put stuff. It's a bit more of a careful mentality. All of that said, though, I want to say this, that I also made this thing to be so simple that anyone can use it. And in a way, it sounds like, well, it sounds like I'm being contradictory because you're saying, I'm saying on one level it's pro, but I will make the statement that it's much easier to actually edit with than those other ones because it's such a simple analogy. You, you look at your monitor, you park on the frame you want, you park on the frame you want to edit to, you uh, activate and drop it down and you make an edit. It's that easy. It's funny. I think it's way more powerful and way easier than, than what's out there. Now, you, you talked about the, the metadata, so like the, the time code and what have you. And, and about a week or so ago, I talked to Al Mooney about Premiere Pro and their metadata that they've been putting in. Uh, mm -hmm. And they're starting to integrate things like the script metadata, all that information. Is there plans to expand to that or is it? Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're on the right path. Their thinking is a lot along the lines of mine. There's still a bit of the closed loop. I'll explain that in a minute. But they are thinking from script to camera. It's the right approach because what we have in, our, in the way things are done is a real redundancy. Things, the same things have to get done over and over again. And the smartest thing to do for efficiency for both pros and semi-pros or whatever level is to not, you know, type it in or get, get the information here and send it straight across. So they're very smart to start to add all of that in and, and we are taking advantage and we're also doing some things that no one's done before such as we have, you know, audio, audio notes, I call them paper clips is my notation system and that you can embed audio notes inside clips and sequences so that say I sent a cut to the director they can they can speak right into the uh, into the sequence say well this wasn't what I had in mind or whatever or say hey that's that's something you know and then it can come right back so that's that's an important thing in the in the mobile world here then another thing about my philosophy is that the touch edit represents a kind of a democratization of editing because first of all, let me start by saying having a, having a tool, using a tool doesn't make you an editor, but editing shouldn't just be done by editors. You know, a, an editor is, is a, a professional storyteller who knows what to do with footage and knows how to create scenes and, and make arguments, uh, which are scenes. Scenes are like an essay, they're like an argument, and do that. But there is so much use for video everywhere that you know, people who aren't editors, people, maybe directors, maybe the casting person needs to put a reel together. Doesn't really matter. So what I'm saying is that by making a device that doesn't take a, a frickin', you know, year to learn how to use, you can master it in a, in a couple hours, really, and you can be up and running in minutes, is a huge service. I, I think it doesn't it doesn't make you an editor, but it makes you able to edit, which is, is what I'm getting at here. So when you get into these systems, you know, the Avid model that everyone's sort of uh, using, the Premiere, where you have to learn the quirks of their whole thing and you have to use their environment. Well, I'm putting my thing on an iPad. There's nothing more, uh, more general and democratic than that because it's the same thing. You're playing games. 
uh, doing you know bills shopping on right so it, it's going to fit in into your whole world not not as its own system it's part of the system that is you and that's why to me platforms don't come you know in the end these things have to go away it, it all has to be a general general device with the same kind of rules that's that's what i'm thinking so that's why I say it's a demo, uh, democratization of it gives everybody the the possibility to do you know very powerful work and not with you know without uh, massive learning curves. Are you going to plan to use this on your next film or on uh, on one of your features? Well, I already have been. I just used it for a lot of the scene work on a TV pilot I just cut called About a Boy. We used it on a, an indie. But it's going to get its real workout. I'm supposed to do um, John Favreau's next film, and he's starring in it. So he's asked me to be on set. He'd like me because he, you know, he has trouble uh, regulating his own performance. He wants me to keep an eye on him. And so what it means is that we're going to be on set. We're going to have the footage sent right out of the camera, you know, through the translator box, right into the iPad. There, I'll be. Cutting as we shoot, we'll know what we're getting. We'll know what we've got. He and I are like an old married couple anyway. We'll we'll argue a lot, and you know, I'll tell him, you know, well, you might want to get another, and he'll he'll say, well, what the hell is wrong with that? But we'll be able to do that, and this is something really special. This is something that's gonna happen, and it's not just gonna be editors on there. Like I say, they're gonna have these things on. I think directors themselves are gonna sit around and they're going to see what cuts and what doesn't with a device like this and then be able to send notes straight back to the editing room. How is it going to interact with the uh, NLEs? Because you've given some demos online, but for the people listening who haven't seen those, how does it sort of work with the various NLEs? As of today, we can spit out Final Cut Pro XMLs. In a very short, within I would say the next couple weeks, we're about to release our AAF ability too, which is the direct avid premier uh, way to send cuts back and forth. So what we're going to do is, you know, we're going to have a full round tripping method, which, which would be you would put footage on both devices. There would be something in the metadata that the point that's a pointer that tells you, okay, this is, this is the same footage as that. You edit, when you're done, you press a button, you don't need to send the media, you could just send the list because the media is already going to exist in your Premiere or your Avid or, you know, whatever your Final Cut. And uh, which we already, as I say, are doing in Final Cut X. And then your your cut's going to come right back up. So it's going to be a true satellite station that's going to allow you to do so much, you know, on the road. One of the great things about it is that we built it so you, you can receive footage right now via Dropbox. So if I'm on the road and I call, you know, if, if I'm not getting it right from the set, like what we're going to be doing, if it's the old lab way that they're doing it, I can call the editing room and say, hey, send me scene 28. They just, they just throw the, the shots in Dropbox, and, you know, I'll download depending how much. It might be a half an hour or whatever. I'll get this stuff. I'll cut on the road. When I have a cut I like, I'm going to hit a button and I'm going to send the list back to the edit bay. And, the, and it's going to be waiting for me when I get back. The cuddles is sitting there on my, uh, you know, on my system, ready to go when I get back. It's not connecting devices or anything. It's, it's literally going to be that way. One of the, the questions I have is your design goes back to the Moviola stage. Why was that important for you? Part of the genesis was to reconnect 
with what I had, with what I lost at the beginning of my career when I was a film guy. And, you know, I, I learned on film and we were using, it's actually more like a flatbed than a moviola. And that, that was, uh, you had the moviola and then the flatbed came around in the, you know, around 1970 or something. And so this is how I learned and it was such a simple way uh, what was hard about it was that you would you would get a lot of uh, paper cuts with film on your fingers and stuff. But the but how it worked was just so simple. So I thought, well, you know, let's make this um, let's make this a, a a digital flatbed first and foremost because it it's such a simple analogy of how to work. And look, movies were cut this way for decades. Some of the greatest movies you've ever seen were cut on machines that kind of worked like this. Now this is of course much faster because it's the digital age and so this is this is you know doing what would have taken you know 15 minutes in the old thing takes 2 seconds on this but I find it um it, it's just really cool to reconnect tactilely to the footage to touch it and roll film strips which is the heart of it the two film strips that you roll in landscape. That's the heart of the application. Because you talk about this tactile ability. Has there been discussion about, I guess, connecting it in some way to the NLE so you, it becomes your surface? Or is it... Uh, yeah, I, I have thought a lot about that. And, and, and I could have... Um, <laughs> I could have been. I could have saved myself a lot of effort by first doing it as a control surface, is what you mean, for the other NLEs. And so I'll, I'll probably put out a control surface or 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 add it onto um, what you know what we have the ability to, to control uh, using the protocols that are out there yeah because I think it's a nice control surface although I have I have my own theories on control surfaces themselves because you have to have a control surface that does what you want it to do and has to function as a mouse otherwise they're not useful, and I, I, I know because I've owned every damn control surface there ever was. The iPad is limited in drive space, so how do you overcome that? Well, I'm glad you asked this question. First thing I want to tell you is that, you know, you can do, you can do finished videos in, in touch edit at 1080p, but if you're using this in conjunction on a project like what I've been talking a lot about, what you do is you, you, you can transcode it into smaller proxies. So basically what looked really good, um, I, you know, I did all these tests in it and I was doing proxies at 640 by 360 and on a 64 gigabyte iPad, we put an entire indie movie with room to spare. Wow, like the rushes and everything? The, that's what I'm saying. Wow. Every bit, every daily, every bit of sound, not a, not a cut down, everything. And with room to spare, now, you know, they have the 120, what do they have now, the, the 128 iPad? Yeah, so you can imagine that if you had three of them and if you were proxying this, you could fit Iron Man 4 on it, you know, or whatever. And, you know, then you might arrange it in acts or however you want. But for small things, I, I am fitting, I had, in fact, at 1080p, I just had the entire TV pilot I just cut. Not, you know, on both my iPad and my iPad mini. By the way, it's wonderful on the mini. And the mini is, uh, at first I was worried about the mini. Would it be as cool? It is amazingly cool on the mini. And, you know, of course, and I even had a, a doctor, who, strangely enough, a surgeon emailed me and he, he was telling me he was using it. Because I guess now 
on medical, they 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 shoot everything that they do. I, I didn't I didn't know that myself. I think it's for so, legal issues, like so if someone sues <laughs> probably, them. Yeah, probably. But um, I was really surprised, and he was like, "Yeah, it's it's on my mini, and I put it in my little pocket <laughs> on the thing." You know. I talked to someone who didn't build uh, a system like this, but built sort of like um, a screening video, so like you can make notes. Yeah, sure, sure. And uh, one of their big hurdles was the time code, and you've made this time code accurate. So, what were some of the issues you encountered with that? Well, you know, we—that's what we had to do. We first make it frame accurate. Our big thing is that we're the center of our app. It's built around something called AV Foundation, which is an Apple thing. And people ask me, "Well, can you put out a?" uh, Android version, and I said, well, it'd be way more difficult because Apple had their engine, their audiovisual engine called AV Foundation, which is the inheritor or the replacement for QuickTime. However, our biggest problem is AV Foundation is very young. It's it's only a couple of years now, and it, you know, QuickTime was a mature system, and it, it you know, so AV Foundation is a baby, and, you know, QuickTime got it to, you know, being this amazingly powerful thing. And so we, we kept finding that AV Foundation wouldn't do all the things that we needed done. So we, uh, my software engineers ended up making a kind of a weird cyborg out of <laughs> AV Foundation and, and with all of our tubes sticking out to do all the things that we weren't able to do. And so it's funny because I'm, I'm like... Um, Anyone who wants to try this, good luck. You know, you won't be as crazy as me. But uh, it, it really, you know, it's, so it's very slow going to, to develop something like this. But we proved you could do it. We proved you could be frame accurate. We proved you could get accurate time code, spit out lists. I mean, obviously, we have the first Final Cut uh, XML in iOS. So, you know... Any other developers out there want to talk to us? We'll help you with that. A lot of firsts in here and uh, technological breakthroughs. So. Wow. Now, I have one last question for you. And I asked this in our last interview uh, a couple of years ago. And I was wondering if anything's changed. And I was going to say, what's your favorite guilty pleasure film? <laughs> you know what? These days, you want to hear You're going to laugh. You're going to laugh. I just adore School of Rock. <laughs> I don't know why. Every time I see it, I just get such a kick out of it. Uh, seeing Jack Black uh, trying to teach these kids rock and roll. Who is the so. director of that again? It was. Um, oh, I think it's Linkletter, isn't it? Yeah, he works really well with uh, Jack Black because they have another film that just came out, uh, Bernie. Oh, really? I'll have to go see that. That's a good track. Yeah, because uh, I mean, I just, I just, you know, you, you can tell what you think of a film if you're flicking around the cable or satellite and you hit that one and it just sticks <laughs> yeah. well thank you very much for letting me interview you again so that was my interview with dan i'd like to thank dan for allowing us to interview him check out his ipad application at touch i'm gordon burkell thanks for listening